Hello and welcome to episode 853 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Friday, September 18th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. It's been a long time since I've done a solo cast, and you know what? I thought it was thought it was time. thought it was time to uh, bring one back, and uh, you know, there's going to be more in the off-season, uh, which <laughs> starts in like a week, uh, which is crazy. I don't know if I've done this. I've said this on the pod, but I basically have compared this season to um, uh, like a remarkably short flight. There, there, there are many of those in Texas that you can take uh, to go from city to city. Obviously, Texas being so huge, uh, it facilitates these. Even though sometimes it might feel unnecessary, uh, my my parents uh, live in deep South Texas, a place called Harlingen. You can fly there to Austin. Uh, or even to San Antonio. In fact, sometimes to get from Harlingen to Austin, you have to stop in San Antonio, which is remarkably stupid. But the season felt like that that flight from Harlingen to San Antonio where you hit the high altitude, the max altitude. Captain comes on the mic, says, hey, we've hit our t- top altitude. Chill. And then 19 seconds later, he comes out, all right, let's gonna go ahead and put your trade tables up. We're going to start our descent now. That's what it felt like. Uh, there was like a four-day period where I felt like I really got into the groove and and, and felt like I was in you know mid-season form of enjoying baseball every day and uh, you know kind of had that summer feeling but it was fleeting and it sucks it really does suck I'm glad we got something you know there was obviously quite a long period of time where I thought we'd get nothing I was I was pretty down on the idea that we'd get any sort of season and I was uh, ecstatic to be wrong on that I, I really was because obviously I'm, I'm just happy we got some baseball and then there were parts within this season that even that felt treacherous and uh, and we got through that and you know we're gonna make the finish line this week and then we're gonna have a playoff and you know hopefully this is a, a one-year shot and we get back to normalcy next year but you know, we'll kind of take it day by day. At this point, looking too far in advance on anything is, uh, you know, probably not your best bet. You know, it just kind of take it as it goes and, and adjust. So what I want to talk about today is players that have had a massive adjustment in strikeout rate. Um, I think that's something that with the short season, it stabilizes uh, relatively quickly. And so with the short season, it's something we can actually analyze Based on uh, the data that we have, if you guys remember Pizza Cutter, Russell Carlton did a lot of data or did a lot of information uh, and work on stabilization points, and we have a uh, uh, article on it in our in our library in our Fangraphs library. And really, what that means is that when you reach a stabilization point for something, that just means there's there's a bigger measure of legitimacy to what we've seen. It doesn't mean that that's what it is going forward, that it's unchangeable or anything like that. I think sometimes stabilization points get a little bit misused and and are treated as though they are the new normal and, and okay, this player is this guy now. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not so much that. It's just that there is a, a um, there's a little bit more certainty in, in what we've seen uh, with regards to where the players come from. And so that stabilization point for strikeout rate is about 60 plate appearances. And so, you know, obviously, uh, it, it's interesting. Our, our top guy here uh, that I'm going to get into has a massive 
26 percent, uh, 26 point drop in his strikeout rate, and uh, you know he's only got 63 point appearances this year. He's, he's one of these late risers, but he's winning leagues right now. I, I would, I really wouldn't be surprised if he was. I'm gonna get to him in a moment. Uh, so you know that that tells you that even somebody who hasn't played all year in this uh, in, in this type of season that we've had can see a stabilization point hit for his strikeout rate. So we're just going to talk about some of the bigger moves and kind of give my thoughts on on what it what it might mean and and you know how much legitimacy there is to it at least as far as whether or not I'm changing how I feel about these players. Some of these guys, you know, some of the names that are on here are yeah, I don't think they're being considered much beyond uh, what they're doing right now. Others are are players of note. So let's just start that that guy with the 26 point drop. The far and away biggest drop on this board is Jared Walsh. And holy smokes, I mean, he's been out of his mind. Now, he only had 87 plate appearances last year. He's only got 63 so far this year. Well, actually, a few more because I, I ran this list on Thursday. And uh, his Friday, his Thursday numbers were not in there yet. So he's at, he's at 67 plate appearances now. But he's actually he lowered his strikeout rate uh, even a little bit more. Uh, so he'd probably be at 27 point drop. But uh, yeah, so he struck out 40% of the time last year. He's down to 14% on this sheet, 13% overall for Jared Walsh. He has seven home runs and a 185 WRC+. Now, this is obviously a massive run that has been so good that he actually has kind of made a dent in things and, and people are picking him up. And even if you picked him up this week, you know, if you kind of missed the first run, you know, not everyone plays in daily league. Uh, daily transaction league so you got to wait sometimes for these guys and by the time you pick them up you've missed all the good work i get it but with somebody like walsh if even if you just picked him up this week since the since the 14th he's had three more great games three for five two for four one for three a couple homers in those um he's hitting 500 with two homers five ribbies and five runs just this week just in the three games this week so, you know, he continues to deliver. Now, Ju Justin mentioned this on the show yesterday, on the Thursday show, that Taylor Blake Ward, I believe that's his name, which it's interesting because he does work for um, the Angels. He writes about the Angels, actually a freelance journalist, um, but I believe he, he covers a lot of the Angels, but they have a player named Taylor Ward, not the same guy. Not the same guy. It'd be interesting if uh, the player was uh, also doing work. But no, he's, he's Taylor Blake Ward on Twitter. He had a great little side-by-side -side of Jared Walsh and, and how he's changed his swing from year to year. And um, Justin referenced that yesterday. And I, I think it is you know, just another little tick mark in giving some validity to what we're seeing here. Now, obviously seven homers and 63 point appearances this is not a pace that's going to continue he's not going to become a 185 wrc plus guy going forward but the name i came up with was christian walker as as kind of an idea of what uh jared walsh could be maybe going forward he's 26 years old walker broke out a bit last year at age uh 27 at age 28 he had a 29 home run season with an 825 ops and he's backed that up this year he has six homers, an MLB best 18 doubles, and an 822 OPS. You know, he's, he's a solid player. He's a nice little, uh, you know, lower tier first baseman or solid corner. And I wonder, you know, I think maybe we could be looking at Jared Walsh becoming something like that too. Now, 
season's going to run out next week, and if he maintains anything like this, his numbers are going to be gaudy and and awesome. I mean, even if he's only okay over the weekend and next week, his numbers are still going to be very good. He'd basically have to go over to really tank these numbers. It doesn't really matter where the numbers go in terms of um, his draft stock. Like he's not going to be overdrafted. I don't think. I, I don't think that there's anything that Jared Walsh could necessarily do, even if he hits another like four homers. So he has, let's say, eleven homers in, I don't know, ninety plate appearances. Again, it's going to be. It would be remarkably gaudy and awesome to see. I don't think that that's going to push him into, I don't know, even the top ten rounds. But I think he's going to, you know, put himself on the map as somebody to be considered once we start to get in those middle rounds. Because, you know, here's the real question. Will they have the playing time for him? Because right now, he has basically taken over for Shohei Otani. Otani's not playing. He has not played the last four days, or last five days, excuse me. And uh, Walsh is playing first while Pujols is DHing. And here's the thing. Pujols is not done. This is not the last year of his deal. He's got another year next season. And, you know, I can't sit here and pretend that Pujols has been good because I don't lie to you guys. I'm not an idiot. But he's, like, doing enough to kind of keep playing. He has a 670 OPS. Uh, that's an 81 OPS plus. Again, that's not good uh, with the four homers. But, you know, he's chasing records. He's owed 30 mil. They can't really sit him. Can Walsh play somewhere else, though? Now, let me see here. I'm going onto his page. It's only been first base DH as a really only first base as a as a major leaguer and a little bit of pitching, by the way. He did throw five innings of work. Um, he was we compared him a little bit to Cronenworth. How um, you know he kind of had that hybrid capability, but the pitching doesn't do anything for us, and and that's not what he's going to be. Could they teach him the outfield? I don't know. Let me look at his minor league record. Let me take a drink while I pull that up real quick. All right. In the minors, he does have some outfield work as recently as 19. I mean, it was it was 19 innings in 2019 in the outfield. But he has, he has 709 career innings in the outfield. So I wonder... If maybe that's that's an avenue for Jared Walsh is to look at him becoming their left fielder. I think Justin Upton's done as far as uh, the contract goes. That wasn't me ending his career. Uh, oh my God, no, he's not. I'm a moron. He still has two years. Oy, oy, oy. Boy, I don't know here. Like Walsh is doing some nice things and, and there's a lot to like, but where the hell is he going to play? Because even Jay up, you know, he got off to that brutal start this year. He was hitting 0.99 as late as August 25th. That was 20 games into his season. But he's at 346, 433, 635 since then with four homers, and that's in a 15 game span. So, you know, he's come out of it pretty nicely. Plus, again, he's getting paid. So I don't know. And they can't really trade Pujols or Upton, I don't think. And, you know, obviously, um, you got Joe Adele and, and Mike Trout in the other two spots there. Ah, damn. I don't know, man. Well, 
right now we'll, we'll, we'll let the dust settle there. But I like what Jared Walsh is doing. Um, and obviously he's had massive improvements. And there has been a swing change behind it to, to also give it some merit. And uh, we'll see what happens. Let's stay with the Angels real quick and talk about Max Stassi because he's the second biggest drop here uh, at 19 points down to a 15% strikeout rate. He also has a 12% walk rate. Now, the thing of it is, is I believe he missed some time with injury, and that's why he only has 25 games played. But he'd been, he'd been making some noise, particularly because catcher sucks so bad this year that it was like, hey, there's there's actually a little something here with uh, with Max Stassi. Let's let's get him in the mix. Um, let me see if I have that right. Yeah, he went out on August 20th, and you know he wasn't tearing the cover off the ball or anything, but he had five homers, or excuse me, I think four, four homers and an 8.38 OPS. Now he was only hitting 2.44, but from catcher, if somebody's got some pop, and and they have a pulse a pop and a pulse is all you need this year catcher's been brutal uh but he's come back since then he's been come back since september 6th and uh you know he's not playing every single day but he hasn't missed too many games he's only sat out two games since then uh to anthony benboom that the thing of it is they traded castro so you know they were really just kind of uh waiting for stassi to get back and let him be the main guy but since then he's hitting 304 400 478 with another homer four ribbies three runs in in 30 plate appearances of work and like i said he's not striking out nearly as much he was a 33 percent strikeout rate guy last year 20 uh excuse me 30 percent in 2018 and he's down to 15 percent this year now he's always been able to take a walk, nine percent and eight percent in eighteen and nineteen, respectively, for Stasi, up to twelve percent this year. I I kind of like what we're seeing. Now it's a late breakout. Uh, he was a prospect of some acclaim years ago, um, but he's twenty nine, so he's going to be age thirty next season. But I think this, I think there might be a little something here. Now, as far as playing time, shouldn't be tough. They don't have catchers. Uh, that are going to be pushing him. I think he could be the guy with the full-time job next year and then have sort of a caddy that only plays once or twice a week as opposed to any sort of split. So Max Stassi is somebody... I know I've been alternating between Stassi and Stassi. I actually don't know which one it, which one it is. Uh, Stassi, I think. Well, so the pronunciation guide has S-T-A, all in capitals, hyphen S-E-E. I don't know if that... Is STA sta or sta? That doesn't help me. That doesn't help me at all. Anyway, uh, but yeah, he's doing well. I think he is somebody to keep on your radar. A lot of us play in two catcher leagues because we're gluttons uh, for punishment. So keep him on your radar and maybe consider him next year as a, as a really nice C2 option. Next guy, as far as the biggest drop, is Pat Valaika at, at a 16-point drop. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cover him too much though because. He's a lefty killer, and that's really kind of the role that he needs to fill. He's got a little bit of pop. He can kind of bounce around the field and play everywhere, or play a bit of uh, uh, a bit of everywhere, sort of, so to speak, without really being good anywhere. He's he's that kind of traditional utility guy who has to play everywhere because he's not he doesn't excel at one spot, as opposed to the guy who can play everywhere because he's got a great glove. Um, and even on this this Orioles team, which I don't want to slam him. You know, they've actually been pretty good. But, uh, you know, he couldn't really find he couldn't really find anything close to a full-time role with the Orioles. 
um, and like I said, they've been better this year. Their their offense. Let's see where that where it has fallen to because they have they have fallen off a bit from where they were. They were they were top ten for a good while. They've gone to fourteenth in WRC plus this year at one hundred one. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But he couldn't really find any sort of like regular time except when lefties were on the bump. The occasional start against a righty. He's twenty eight next year. He does have seven homers this season, but a 260 average, 300 OBP, 463 slug. It's fine, but it is nice to see that he dropped from 40% last year to 23% this year. That's more in line with where he's been. Um, he was at 23% also in 2018. Actually, he's kind of bounced. Uh, he had 19 plate appearances in 2016. Who cares about that? But he was with the Rockies from 16 through 19. And uh, starting at 17, when he started to get a little bit more of a sample, he went 27 23 40 23 so his strikeout rate has kind of kind of bounced uh up and down i just don't see him as anything no as as a real notable player going forward for fantasy purposes so i'm not going to give him too much credence here next up is a is a is an important one and somebody who we will be looking at next year and i think he'll be on some potential breakout lists and that's austin riley for the atlanta braves and I certainly think some folks are going to be looking at, hey, keep a close eye on him. I want to take him next year at, you know, finally coming around. And uh, let's see here. He has seven homers. Now he's only hitting 238. Uh, and thus only has a 292 OBP because of that, because he doesn't walk a ton. And a 409 slug. So it doesn't look great. But I like the seven homers, obviously. And I like the cut in strikeout rate. And I do think that that people will still find some interest here, and they'll they'll go off of this this strikeout rate drop and the fact that he's always had some power. Now the power has fallen, and I wonder if there's a trade-off there where he's been focused on on not swinging and missing as much, and maybe lost a little bit of his punch. But this is still wouldn't this be like a 25 homer pace? Let, let me see real quick. Just see what the full season pace would be. 26 homers which is something, you know, it's, it's notable. I just wonder if there's a little bit of correlation here. And then maybe he's kind of learning this skill of, of not striking out as much. And then he can pair that with getting back to his power next year. And he's also had a little bit of a, a tale of two halves in so far as we've even had halves this year. But he was down at 150 batting average through 18 games. I mean, he was looking absolutely brutal uh over the last 27 games he's hitting 288 345 462 with four of his seven homers now that's only a 24 homer pace over that time frame but with a much better slash line um and a 16 percent strikeout rate during that time as well and a seven percent walk rate i thought it was gonna be a little bit higher but uh you know that's that's okay when you're striking out that little I, I can deal with the walk rate being lower there's still some development here that needs to kind of come to fruition if austin riley is going to be the guy that a lot of us uh, i know jason clett and i were very po popular or high on him uh after seeing him in the fall league i still like him he's gonna be 24 next year i'm not ruling out still a jump forward and i like that there's just kind of a little bit of a building block here that okay he's not striking out as much can he parlay that into something more? Uh, next up, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think Adam Engel is really going to do much for you guys on the fantasy landscape to the point where you want me to cover him. If you 
think that I am wrong and you want me to do a full deep dive on Adam Angle, I will do a separate podcast totally breaking down his 76 plate appearances, 306 average, and big 16-point drop, uh, excuse me, 13-point drop in strikeout rate, okay? I'll do it if I get enough interest, but I don't really think there's much there. <laughs> I apologize, Adam Engel. Uh, Rowdy Telez is next. He also has a 13-point drop down to a 16% strikeout rate. That, with the power that he has, that's interesting. Now, unfortunately, his season has ended prematurely due to injury, but he hit eight homers with a 283, 346, 540 slash line, cut that strikeout rate substantially, ticked up the walk rate a little bit from 7 to 9%. Uh, but again, I'll take that. I would have taken the 7% when you're only striking out 16% of the time. He had a, a corresponding swinging strike rate drop as well. There's a lot to like here from the 25-year-old Telez. Now, I do wonder, I guess this is coming zone contact, uh, really both in zone and out of zone contact is what's driving this. Uh, but he is still chasing a lot. He is still swinging out of the zone quite a bit. Uh, 39% last year, 37% this year. That's really in line. He had 37% in 2018 as well. So he, he does still like to swing out of the zone, but he's making a lot more contact from 60 to 66%. The in zone contact has been a big difference too, from 81 to 89. And frankly, I'm putting a lot more weight on that. That is what encourages me because he can do so much damage and we're seeing that damage both in the batting average and the power um, he has a 257 iso this year for rowdy telez i i really am bummed that we didn't get to see him finish out the season because i would have liked to see i think he'd have pushed double digit homers you know he's been part of this really nice uh, jays offense here and it would have been great to see what he could finish up with as their DH, but uh, he's definitely going to be a notable player next year. There's going to be a lot of love for him in the offseason as one of those risers. Now, I want to see, did he have any first base eligibility, or is he going to be DH only? Let me see. Oh, yeah, no, he played plenty. 19 games at, at uh, first base, and again, eligibility should be scaled. You shouldn't need 20 games the way we have in previous years, considering we only played 60. So, 19 in a 60-game season should be more than enough to make Telez still a first-base option. And uh, I'm putting a little star next to him because I am impressed with what he's done here. And, you know, I never understood why. And it lasted five seconds, so it's fine. But why did they get Daniel Vogelbach when they already had Rowdy Telez? This was before Telez got hurt. What sense did that make? And again, he got five plate appearances with them and moved on. Vogelbach did. But that was so dumb. It made absolutely no sense. They had a remarkably better version of Vogelbach in Telez already, and having he was having a great season. So what the hell did they do that for? I don't know. Anyway, 21 homers last year, built on it this year with some with some skills improvement around it. Going to be somebody to watch in 2021 for sure. Next up is another guy that uh, you know just th th there's no run there for Kyle Farmer. You like the 12% drop. Uh, in, in strikeout rate down to 18%, but where's he playing? What's he doing? Um, he, he's kind of a an, an, an interesting utility guy in that he can play some catcher, and he could be a non-catching catcher if they just kind of got him the eligibility there and then played him around the diamond, but he doesn't play. He's 30 years old. I'm not I'm not covering it. Sorry. Sorry, I'm just I'm just not doing it. <laughs> Let's move on to the next guy who all, who is a catcher, and one of the bigger breakouts of the year that I don't think he's getting a lot of attention for it. 
And I think Will Smith deserves a little bit more run for the excellent season he's had, especially, especially when you consider how horrific Catcher has been this year, which I was hitting on earlier. It's basically been JT Real Muto, Will Smith, and then nothing. I'm, I'm pulling up the player rater on Catcher right now just to give you an idea of how bad it's been. I mean, we know Mitch Garver's flopped. We know that uh, Gary Sanchez has flopped. Um, Contreras and Grandal have been solid, not quite you know, star level, but they've been solid. Um, but yeah, it's Rio Muto, Travis Darno, Austin Nola, Wilson Contreras, Sal Perez, Will Smith is at six, Yasmani Grandal seven, Pedro Severino eight, James McCain, who doesn't even play every day, at nine, and Isaiah Kiner Falefa, the non catching catcher, at ten. Which, hey, I put I, I put you on Kiner Falefa a little bit, but I soft I soft sold it. And uh, I'm mad at myself. I should have just gone all in. I, you guys know I'm obsessed with the non-catching catchers, but I did I did tamper it or, or tamp it down a little bit with like, yeah, but I don't know how much he can hit. Maybe he'll steal some bases for you. Uh, he's hit 305, two homers, eight stolen bases. He's been great. He's been great as a catcher who doesn't catch. Now he won't have the catcher eligibility next year because he's played only third and short. So he's going to be a deep league kind of you know you. Um, uh, middle corner option at best, but if you got that last year of catcher eligibility, I hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about Will Smith, who hit the, hit the ground running last year. He had that fantastic start to his career and then um, hit that rookie wall. Even though he only played 54 games, he, he compacted a full rookie season wherein he started off brilliantly and then was adjusted to, uh, to where he finished pretty poorly. His September was uh, a 175, 284, 298 line with just two homers after really killing the game uh, before that with 13 homers in his previous uh, whatever X plate appearances. I actually don't have the, the number there. So he came up in May, uh, played a little bit May, May to June, did a little something something, then went back down for a month from June 25th to July 27th. Then when he came up from that point, that's when Will Smith really hit. hit uh, That 28-game run from July 27th to August 31st, 299, 377, 24 with 10 homers. Killed it. Uh, and, then I, and then I read off the September that he had. Uh, but he, you know, everyone's like, okay, there's still a lot to like out of this. Even, even with the awful September, his composite numbers were 253, 337, 571 with 15 homers and two steals in 196 plate appearances. So much to still like. So he was, he was a well-regarded fantasy option this year, and uh, he's been amazing. And the big change, uh, the big uh, development has been a 12-point drop in strikeout rate to the point where he's actually walking more than he's striking out. 15% strikeout rate, 18% walk rate. Six homers, 20 ribbies, 17 runs, uh, and then a slash line of 303, 417, 596. I read a lot of numbers. The bottom line, 1012 OPS, which is good for a 170 WRC plus. He's been 70% better than league average with his WRC plus. Yeah, I mean, he's been great. I'm honestly kind of curious as to why he's only, well, it has, it has to be the volume. It has to be the volume because I was like, why is he only sixth at catcher? Because I mean, on a on a rate 
standpoint, and actually they have that here on a per game standpoint. Well, you got to get out some of these guys that have only played like two or three games. So looking at the guys who have played a, a reasonable amount, it's Real Muto, James McCann, Sal Perez, and then Will Smith at four. So, you know, he's been awesome, plain and simple. I think he's going to be very highly drafted. He's going to be a top five catcher next year without a doubt. And frankly, I think he's going to go two behind Real Muto with some regularity. Um, I don't think he'll be the the unanimous pick there at two, but I think it'll be Real Muto. Um, I think Contreras and Perez and Grandal, the, the veterans, will still mix in. But then, then you start considering Smith, and and I don't know that there there's anybody else that's really going to be in that catching mix that's really going to uh, uh, challenge there. You know, Austin Nola, I love him. This was another guy that uh, I, I couldn't recommend enough. Although he was he didn't end up being a non-catching catcher. He got thrust into duty because Tom Murphy got hurt. But he's going to be 31, and I think there's going to be a little bit of skepticism with him. Not from me. I'm actually still going to be drafting him pretty highly. But I think I'd go Real Muto, Smith, Nola, Contreras, Grandal, Sal Perez, Sean Murphy. That's just off the top of my head right there. So, you know, it's going to be an open pool after Real Muto. Uh, but Will Smith's going to get a lot of love. He's been excellent. Big 12-point drop-in strikeout rate. Another big drop-in strikeout rate has been from one of the bigger breakouts of the season, and that's Cal Lewis. Now, he's dealing off of two small samples because he only had 75 plate appearances last year, and, of course, it's only 205 plate appearances this year. And he still has a 27% strikeout rate. So quick math tells you that that, that he was hit, striking out a 39% clip last year. Now, he was kind of a, one of those league winner types. He was the Jared Walsh of, of last season, wherein he came up, hit six homers uh, with, a, with a 127 WRC plus and was just tearing it, tearing it up. But everyone was a little bit skeptical on it because it came with a 39% walk rate, or excuse me, 39% strikeout rate and 4% walk rate. It's like, you know, what can we really trust here? The thing of it is, though, is that I don't think that, that people fully realized how good of a prospect Will, uh, Cal Lewis was, excuse me. And I think it's because people don't understand that um, injuries really, really curbed him and and kept him from being that. And I don't want to say Acuna type because I don't know that he would have been number one overall in the game type. But I feel like, based on what I've read from the prospect folks, whether it's Eric Longhagen, uh, James Anderson, uh, Chris Welsh, uh, Matt Thompson, et cetera, et cetera, the, the great prospect community that we have in the fantasy world, they all suggest that he would have been a monster, like a top 10, top 15 overall prospect type. And injury was, was what stifled him. So he looks like kind of a pop-up, out-of-nowhere sort of guy when really it's just that he's been healthy and now he's killing it. And by the way, yes, he is still striking out 27% of the time, but it's come with a 14% walk rate. So he's not getting himself out. He just This is just more of a power profile. He has 10 homers, uh, 291, 385, 480. I'd still like to see the strikeout rate come down a bit, 
but I'm not going to complain too much when you're still hitting 291 and you're walking as much as Cal Lewis is. 10 homers, 3 steals, going to be 25 next year. He's going to be drafted really high. And uh, I think I'm going to do an article on, you know, here's 15 guys I can't wait to see where they're drafted and, and, and maybe give an idea of where I would draft them instead of making the market do all the work. Maybe I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a little bit. I'll do a little smidge of leg work there and say where I would start to consider these guys, uh, at least off the top of my head right now, before we really get into draft season. And uh, I tell you what, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Justin, see if he's going to do the two early mocks, but I'd like to see him get one started as early as next week. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a psychopath. And I'm ready to draft next week already. I want to see where these big movers and shakers are going to wind up. Cal Lewis is going to be one to really key in on because uh, he's had such a fun and awesome season. And I think he's a dude. I think he's an absolute dude. Uh, next up, also has a 12-point uh, drop. It's Josh Naylor, though. And I don't know. He has a 53 WRC+. plus. How much do I really need to talk about him? Now, he is only 23. So he's going to be age 24 next year with Cleveland. He got traded over in the Clevenger deal. I think there's going to be some playing time for him, at least on the strong side of the platoon, which is what he's been doing with Cleveland. I think they're going to give him a real opportunity. He's been he's been bad, though. And, uh, you know, he only, he only had an 89 WRC plus last year. So, you know, he's making contact, but he only has a 239 BABIP. So I think there's been uh, some bad luck there, too. Although, let me see what kind of contact it is. Because I'm always careful. You guys, you guys know it's something. I, it's a, it's an oft-repeated refrain that I, I want to be very careful about using BABIP as a luckometer and just saying, "Well, low BABIP, unlucky." I mean, he doesn't really hit the ball hard. Doesn't barrel it up very often. So, is he really unlucky, or is he just not hit that well? Like, okay, two thirty-nine is is pretty aggressively low, and and. You know, over the process of a six-month season, it would probably meander back up a bit. But is it really going to be better than like a 270-280? I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm not that. I'm not that hot on Josh Naylor. Like, he strikes me as somebody who could be a low 20s homer guy with a good batting average at his best. That's kind of what we saw um, in the minors, but. We haven't really seen much in in an admittedly small major league sample. He has 364 total plate appearances in the majors, but he's in 242, 306, 378, and I don't know. Eh, shrug, okay, shrug. Listen, if if you're a big Josh Naylor guy uh, or gal, hit me up. Let me know. Let me know what I should be looking for because I, I haven't seen it, and I know that I know that he gets some love. From some folks, because he's he's one of those guys who's, who's definitely a prospect, but nobody's really keen on him. So he has his small group of proponents. If you're one of those Naylor proponents, let me know what I should be looking for, because I'm not seeing it right now. Next up is a guy I do love. I'm a big fan of Aaron Hicks, but he's had a weird season. He's actually improved his strikeout and walk rates this year. To the point where he's kind of back to that guy that we've been used to prior to last year where he can walk as much as he strikes out actually this year he's walking more 21 percent versus a 19 percent strikeout rate but the results just aren't there he has a 245 babbit holding his average down to 215 with a 387 obp and a 400 slug he does have five homers and two steals i mean there is some 
there is some fantasy goodness here outside of the batting average, but I'm wondering like what's what's with the batting average, dude? Let me see what's let me see his batted ball profile. I'm gonna take a drink as well. Pardon me, there's some ice in the uh, in the bottle here, rattling around, rattling around. Um, you know, his bat batted ball profile is pretty much in line with previous years. I think you could now. After a further investigation, I think you could make the case that this this Babip is is a little bit unlucky at 245. Now he's only a career 270, so he's always uh, been somebody whose whose batting average er, batting average on balls in play trends lower than than um, than league average, and so I don't know why that is. Like he doesn't have an egregious fly ball rate. A lot of times you see that from a guy who who has a big fly ball rate. You know, he's at 37% for his career. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm shrugging here. I'm not I'm not really adding anything to the combo. I should probably just move on. As I mentioned, I've always I've always liked um I've I've always liked uh, uh, Aaron Hicks, and I'm still gonna be rooting for him. But injuries have always been an issue too. He is returning from TJ this year. Give him a little bit of a break on that. But he does have the five homers and two steals. Like he actually is giving you some fantasy goodness. He's still a god in OBP leagues, three eighty seven. So I like that he's improved his strikeout rate. I'll probably still draft him on at least one team next year. I'm just being honest with y'all. Let's see. I'm gonna cover three more guys. I think that'll be that'll be good. Three more guys that are ranging in the nine to ten point drop. That'll get us at about. I think we're at 38 minutes right now. Well, knowing me, three more guys will get us to like an hour and a half. But it should it shouldn't be that much longer. But let's let's see where it goes. Uh, I think these three guys are all notable. Uh, there's a few guys after them that also have nine point drops that aren't really notable. Like. Um, they don't play enough or they're already established superstars that you know talking about paul goldschmidt and harper dropping nine points what what do i really have to add there anything of note i don't i don't think so tim so uh let's not do that okay here we go next up brandon Lau. big big breakthrough season for him uh well actually last year was like the breakthrough this was the establishment season is what i'm going to call it because he broke out last year he put up a 125 WRC plus. Now he, he it was injury shortened. He only got to play half a year, 82 games, but he had 17 homers, five steals, with a 270, 336, 514. Now the the question marks uh, surrounded his profile: 35% strikeout rate and an 8% walk rate. And it was like, what do we what do we really buy in here with Brandon Lau? Now the reason I still liked him was because I thought the price was right. And I actually compared him to Keston Hira um, and saying, hey, instead of buying Keston Hira at his crazy price, which, by the way, we talked about it yesterday. He's actually panned out relative to price when you look at the play rater and everything, despite his bad batting average. But he had a 37 ADP, Keston Hira did. Brandon Lau had a 191. In fact, I did an article where I was saying, uh, here's some bargain buys using projections. Guys that have similar projections, buy the cheaper guy. 
Now, some of those work, like by by as by Sal Perez instead of Yasmani Grandal, by Brandon Lau instead of Keston Hira. Um, some of them didn't work, like by Josh Bell instead of Pete Alonso. Although Josh Bell is killing it, and um, I did also mention Luke Voigt and Reese Hoskins. Uh, I chose Bell because of his price because of his price and i'm not here to justify that i'm not here to justify that pick that's fine the brandon Lyle one did work though and he's really cut his strikeout rate nicely to a level that uh that has been helpful at 10 points down to a 25 percent mark i can live with that all day even if he'd kept his eight percent walk rate that would have been fine, but he's amped it up to 12. So you're looking at 25% strikeout, 12% walk, boom. That's perfect. That, I mean, that, I mean, not perfect, but that's perfectly workable, I should say. That is totally fine. It's hard to really complain about that. And the power has amped up. He has 13 homers in just 192 plate appearances. He's also 3 for 3 on the bases. He's now 8 for 8 the last two years, 10 for 11 in his career. Dude knows when to go. He's not going to get you a ton of stolen bases. I think over a full season, we're looking at an 8 to 11 range. But it, it, especially if you play in net steals, Looks like he's only going to, you know, be somebody who might get caught once or twice max. He's really smart about when he runs. The overall line is 262, 358, uh, 573. That's good for a 151 WRC+. plus. Brandon Lau has been awesome. Now, obviously, he's going to be a lot more expensive next year, but I'm willing to pay. I like a lot of what he's doing here. I don't see a major fall off. And the one thing I'm going to be mindful of is that you know, he got off to that fantastic start this year. His average was trending high. He hit a big lull, and now he's surging again to finish the season. I think that he's going to, to kind of live in the 260 to 270 range. It was great when, you know, uh, a month into the season, he was still hitting 304. But uh, like I said, he really hit that. He really hit that lull there. There was a period from... August 20th to September 6th where he hit 085 and that took his batting average from 337 to 250 but he's uh, like I said he's surging to finish the season here he's hitting 323 over the last nine games so he's back up to 262 and I love Brandon Lau um, you know if he's going to be a top five round guy I'm in and I don't know that he's going to be much higher than, I think fourth fifth is the max because I still think the batting average will keep people at bay from going too crazy on him. Um, but I'll be there. I'll be there ready to buy because I think you're going to get big power, great counting categories, and uh, nice chip-in steals. Next up is Will Myers. Holy smokes, dude. What a season from Will Myers. Now, he's dropped his strikeout rate nine points, and he's having a hell of a season. Let's pull up his full season numbers here. He just I swear he hits a homer every game I watch from them, and I watch a lot of Padres games. Um, he's played 47 games and only has 13 homers, though, so it's not every game. And I only said only with regards to the joke I was making about him hitting one every game. 13 is awesome. Um, he's dropped strikeout rate nine points, like I said, down to 25%. A lot more palatable uh, than last year's 34%. Now, the walk rate has come down, too, back down to 8%. He kind of lives in the 8 to 10% range. It's fine. And if he is striking out in the in the 24 to 28 percent range 
I can deal with that a lot more than 35 or 34% last year. That that started to just be like a little bit too much. And you saw it in the batting average. It dropped to 239, which was uh, a four-year, a five-year low for, for Will Myers. He's up to 298 this year because the OBP, uh, excuse me, because the BABIP is up at 342. Although it was at 344 last year. He keeps high BABIPs. Um, it's just that he is crushing the ball. My God, I'm looking at his uh, at his Statcast stuff right now. Hard hit up, barrel rate up, uh, exit velo up. You know, we're careful not to use exit velo as a composite. That's why that's why I cited that last. But uh, the 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 spray, the um, uh, ground ball, fly ball, line drive has has smoothed. Um, you know, he's he's really hitting a lot more line drives um he's hitting enough fly balls to keep the power going here's a big change too his infield fly ball rate is dipped from 13 to 4 percent that's a big jump uh that's a big improvement for will myers love what he's doing here now i will say he does become a little bit of a tough rank next year though because he's consistently dealt with health issues, even though he has three seasons of 155 plus games over the last five years. And I count this year, but we shouldn't even count that because, you know, there, there's nothing close to a full season this year. Let's see, how many games have they played? They've played, uh, they played 51, he's played 47. He's been healthy this year. So we'll say, we'll say four healthy seasons in the last five. He does accumulate nagging injuries, though, that seem to, I, like, I felt like he was affected at times last year and, you know, wouldn't play full games, but didn't quite merit a uh, um, an IL stint, stuff like that. He did play only 83 games in 2018. He's going to be 30. I don't know, man. This is a great season. He's always a player that looks appealing in the draft because he doesn't go too high and so you keep looking at him like hmm i think now's the time to draft him i really should take him right here and so he's not i don't think he's going to be a cost prohibitive player i think he's going to be well priced i don't know though i don't know if i'm going to go for him or not he hasn't really run this year and um that's okay though like with everything else that he's doing 298 358, 626 with 13 homers, 35 ribbies, and 32 runs. You can't really complain about just the one stolen base. I don't know. I like him. I want to see where he goes. I'm actually going to let him go in the first couple of mocks to see where the market places him and then decide if I'm going to be in on Will Myers. I know Justin will. That's one of his boys. He loves Will Myers. All right. One more here. Austin Slater. Now, if you picked up Austin Slater around the time that he had his biggest popularity for fantasy, uh, you were a little bit bummed because I believe he got hurt right when that peak was hitting. Uh, if you, if you kind of look at NFBC, like that week that he was one of the big pickups, uh, he went on the IL right then. And it was like, oh, cool, cool, th th uh, neat. That's awesome. I'm very happy about that. I'm not super pissed at all. Uh, I, th I think it was right around that timing there, but he'd been killing it. Goes on the IL. He's back as of September 5th. Um, wait, why did he not play for five games from September 8th to the 17th? Did he get nicked again? Huh. I'm confused. I am confused. Anyway, I'm going to look at his composite work right now and try to figure out maybe while we're 
talking here why he hasn't been playing. But overall, he's been great. 317, 423, 583 for Slater with a, like I said, nine-point drop in strikeout rate down to 20%. Uh, excuse me, down to 21% from last year's 32% and a 13% walk rate. Now, he walked last year, too. He had a 12% mark. He had 9% the year before that. He's always taken a walk, but the strikeout rate's just been too high. In fact, it was at 31%. Um, oh, excuse me. He has a, I, pardon me. I only, I gave him a nine-point drop. He has a 10-point drop from 31 to 21. Uh, that's probably due to the uh, update uh, of Thursday's games. Anyway, uh, but he was at 30.7 exactly, and usually I just round, but when it's exact, the, even with the uh, decimal, when it's the exact, it's kind of funny, but he was at 30.7 on the button in 2018 and 2019. He's down to 21 this year for Austin Slater. The walk rate's up even more at 13%, four homers, seven steals in just 71 plate appearances. He's been awesome. Still trying to figure out why he didn't play for, oh, oh, because they didn't have any games. Yep. They had a COVID scare. That's why. Okay. I was like, what the freak? Why wasn't he playing? Um, he should be playing pretty regularly. I know he's a righty. I hope that they find a way to play him more than just against lefties. He definitely does his best work against lefties, including this year. But this year, he's an 806 OPS against righties. That's enough. That's enough to play. Now, for his career, he's only 678 against righties. And I don't know if he's made improvements this year or if it's a little bit of run hot because he does have a 421 BABIP against right-handers. So as far as like the future goes for Slater, he's going to be 20, age 28 season next year. If the playing time isn't there, even on San Francisco, a team that's you know definitely in kind of a retool mode, then we have to be careful with where we draft him. But I think NL only deep mixers is where he's going to have his best value. I'm intrigued, though. Uh, the speed is really what's got me. I want to see what kind of sprint speed he has here. Since this is our last guy, we can take a little bit longer on him. Let's see what Austin Slater delivers in the sprint speed category. And I also want to look at his defense because I think he has some interesting eligibility. At least he did coming into this year. I think it was like second base outfield. Am I tripping on that? Oh, no, no, no. He he did play second base last year, but literally for three innings. So he does not have that anymore. You know what I was thinking of? I know you guys are going to call me a big dork, and that's okay. In MLB The Show, he has second base eligibility. That three innings, those three innings, earned him second base playing time in uh, MLB The Show. So you can slot him there if you want. But he's an outfielder through and through. Um, 86 innings this year, 331 last year. Like that's that, or three. 348 last year as far as outfield innings he really doesn't play second um that's that's it for him but the sprint speed is not blinding but it is good he is in the 72nd percentile this year he was in the 84th percentile last year um let's see does he have a home to first mark he does not have one for this year but that it looks like his home to firsts are pretty strong and jeff zimmerman has found that home to firsts are better to use um, are better to use for stolen base viability than just the uh, than just the the raw sprint speed. So that's why I'm I'm looking at that specifically. And let me see where that let me see where his mark rate ranks for last year for Slater. Uh, it's actually not that great. Two uh, fiftieth. Um, his sprint speed is actually better. And again, 
the, the bottom line is you don't have to be super speedy to be a good base. Like that, that's not, I mean, obviously you can't be Albert Pujols. You can't, you can't be deathly slow. Um, you might be able to nab a few on smarts alone if you're, if you're pretty slow, but you have to have a modicum of speed and great decision-making. Um, he only stole one base last year. It's one for one. Uh, in 192 point appearances, Austin Slater was seven for seven in 225 point appearances back in 2018. Though, so you add it all up, he's 15 for 16 in 615 point appearances, which is essentially a full season. So 13 homers, 15 steals, 261 average. That's over the course of a, you know, what we would call a full season. There, could he do that for a full year with San Francisco? Possibly, but will he get the playing time? I don't know. He's somebody to watch. Maybe put a little star next to in your deeper leagues, but I can't quite get terribly excited about him because it looks like he is more of a lefty killer than anything else. But I think that's going to do it for us here. Just wanted to talk about some guys improving their strikeout rate. That's something it stabilizes quickly, and it can really drive uh, a breakout. And so that's why I felt like it was worth kind of diving into. Uh, we have a mixed bag of guys here, some that we're looking at for 21, others that it might just be kind of a fluke this year, and others that just they're not going to generate the playing time. But hopefully you took something from this. Keep an eye on Rowdy Telez, Will Smith, Brandon Lau, Kyle Lewis, uh, Max Stassi, Jared Walsh if he finds playing time. And uh, don't forget, if you want that Adam Angle pod, if, if you don't think I can do an hour on Adam Engel, you're crazy. But I need like at least 10 of y'all to tweet me at Spore telling me you want it. I'll do it. I'll do it for the meme, dude. Okay? Do not test me. All right. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.